Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Alex Barcines. I want to really just touch on the Blessed Life series and where we're up to in this, this part of our teaching series on the Blessed Life. And we're going to look at life and not law when it comes to giving and tithes and offerings and the principles of multiplication. And, you know, this week, this past week that's just uh, come, I had, the, uh, I had an amazing time visiting Jai and Kristen's house fire group. I think they were here for the first service. And we just went at it for chapters one and two. I'm touching on chapters three and four today. And then we're going to continue it on with the remaining chapters uh, in the house fire groups. Can I encourage everyone who's not part of one yet to join us in this series, especially the house fire groups, because it's quite powerful. Um, we had someone who, who went to that group for the first time ever. It's actually a friend of ours from Alana's swimming lesson who we invited to Awakening Australia. Her and her husband got saved there. She's been coming to church ever since every week. She's away for the next two weeks, business trip this week and family holiday next week. Her young son, five-year-old Levi's up in kids' church with Jess and team. And she rocked up that night not really knowing what to expect. She had a little broken pinky finger from netball. And we, we didn't dull the word down, we didn't water it down or anything like that. And we talked about finances and how God wants us to steward it. And so for someone who was a new believer, she, it, it was actually quite eye-opening. And it, it was uh, quite, quite a good timing too because um, I mentioned to her, as a believer, you want to read the Word of God. But I probably should have given her more guidelines because she started in Genesis. And she's like, what's this business about sacrificing sons and... Two daughters wanted to get pregnant by the dad. Uh, sorry. Start in New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But there's lessons in those things. And we did talk about it at a house fire group as well, help her unpack those areas of questions and, and help her actually see those things. But more importantly, just the connection that she got. She reached out to Kristen after that house fire group and saying, I had such an amazing time. Thank you for your love and your support. She got prayed for for her pinky finger. She said, I'm not sure if it's healed, but I do feel something very strange in my, my uh, other hand. And we just had prophetic words over each other and declared uh, the healing power uh, of God over many other people's lives as well. But very sharp prophetic words. And these are the things that we get to experience in a house fire group where traditionally this type of setting, it is great and amazing, but perhaps with time restrictions and whatnot, um, you may not be able to operate in that way that you are so hungry for. So house fire groups is a Great place for community, connection, and seeing the power of God. Now, life, not law. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I pray that you would just speak the words that you want to speak through my mouth. Let it just be received the way that you want it to be received. Break open just a, a blessing that's going to come forth from this, sun, this Sunday. And I pray that we would just be obedient to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So why is tithing life? Just the next page, thanks. See, for me, it's not actually just a law in the Bible that we find in the Old Testament. We know it talks about giving a tenth in various different parts of scriptures, especially in Malachi 3. But for, for Jess and I, it's actually become our life. We, we know we depend on God coming through in our finances. And the way that we express that is through tithes and giving. As a young believer who wasn't accustomed or, or didn't come across this truth, I remember 
working and earning as much as I could. I was actually in a full-time job, so I really had no excuse to see my bank account go in arrears. Nevertheless, I did. I'd be five or $10 overdrawn, and thank you, Commonwealth Bank, $35 overdrawn fee. And so to get back up actually made it a little bit harder with some of those things. And so I found that as soon as I caught the concept and the power behind tithes and giving, I never saw my bank account go in arrears. In fact, even as I sacrificed my full-time job at the Commonwealth Bank, how ironic, I worked for the Commonwealth Bank and couldn't get my finances in order. As I sacrificed my full-time job to get into Bible study, so Bible college, very little income selling mobile phones on the side, there was a social event on a Monday night, which cost 20 bucks at least to get in for Laser Wars, and you want to have about 20 bucks as a group plan for dinner. And I'd already given my tithes for the day before on a Sunday. I had $20 left in my wallet, nothing left in my bank account. I was still a new believer. But God said, give it to me and watch what I'll do. So I gave it to God in the offering. And afterwards, my friend shook my hand to say hello. And I felt something in the palm of his hands. It was a $50 note. I asked him, why did you do that? He said, God told me to. It's a simple picture and illustration of what God will do if we put our trust in Him. If we understand this is beyond just a law, this is actually life. And the fact is, the Bible puts such an emphasis on how we steward our finances. They get this, that there are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer, nearly 500 verses concerning faith, but there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. Did you know that? Jesus talked about money in 16 of his 38 parables. So clearly from the Bible standpoint, we need to understand money and how to handle it. Why? Because money is actually a test from God. We're going to talk about that test and I want to give you guys the answer. How you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, loyalties, and affections. In fact, it directly dictates many of the blessings you will or won't experience in life. We see that it's a life choice for Jacob that he dedicated a tenth or tithe to God before the law was actually written down. His own grandpa, Abraham, I was going to call him Pastor Abraham, he's not. Abraham gave a tenth to Mechizeldek as Pastor Dan taught last week. And this predates anything that was written formally about tithing and giving. So we see that these two biblical characters understood that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. God, I want to thank you for what you've given me in my life. I understand that I couldn't have done it in my own strength, in my own power, in my own resources. So God, I want to thank you with just a tenth with just a portion of what that means. And we see that if we go to the next page, the number 10 actually represents testing in the Bible. Who, who knew that? 10 represents testing. And so giving a tithe means giving a tenth or 10% of our income. For the first few years I was tithing, I actually thought it was tithing the net amount. Until God revealed to me in certain different scriptures, such as when Jesus said, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's, to the Lord's what is the Lord's, and also reading this book, it's actually not net. Now you're thinking, oh no, don't go there. Don't, don't go to gross. Please don't go to gross. Yes, it is gross. Tithing on the gross. 
Because let me tell you why. If we're tithing on the net, what we're saying is the portion that went to the tax office, the portion that went to your pre-tax salary deduction for your car, whatever it is, I used to get pre-tax for our health insurance, working for a health insurance company. We're saying that they get the first fruits. The tax, the government gets the first fruits. But the Bible clearly states, even in Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your harvest. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I noticed that when we went from net to gross tithing, God just exploded in terms of favor, in terms of blessings, in terms of finances. Just recently in my previous role, there was this thing that we do in the corporate world where if the company does quite well, there's leftover money for bonuses to kind of help with staff retention and say job well done. And there's only a certain number of people that they can give exceeding rewards too, which means they acknowledge the, the work that you've done is quite amazing, but also what comes to that is a pretty big bonus. So there's different levels. There was un, uh, needing improvement, unacceptable, acceptable. And then there was exceeding, but they had to be tight with that. They couldn't just give everyone exceeding because they'll just blow the budget and we actually go into the territory of not having anything extra to kind of like show from the year that's passed. And what happened was, let me just share this scripture actually. I just feel it's on my heart too. In Deuteronomy 15 and 10, it talks about how when we give, to, to especially someone who's in need and who the Lord directs us to give to, this is the result of that action. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Everyone say, will bless you in all your works. And say this as well. And in all to which you put your hand. See, the blessing of God will follow as we participate in this act of giving in our tithes and offerings because the blessing of God permeates more than just your bank account. It's your relationships, it's your family, it's your marriage, it's your friendships. And so if we have the supernatural power of God working for us, the Bible also talks about in Malachi about the devourer, that God will rebuke the devourer if we participate in tithes and offerings. So if we've got the supernatural power of God working for us, by contrast, the curse, there's the blessing, the protection, but then there's also the contrast, the curse, the devourer, we would have supernatural power working against us. But God doesn't want that. He wants to rebuke the devourer, but to do that, He wants to have your heart. And how does He get your heart? Through your treasure. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Like Pastor Dan preached if you put your money in shares or stocks, prior to that, you probably didn't look at it daily, you didn't review it and the performance of that stock. But because your treasure is there, your money is there, your heart is there also. So God wants your heart. He doesn't need your money. Don't think that the electricity bill in heaven is so expensive because AGL has risen their price. He owns it all. So in fact, he doesn't need your money, but he needs and wants your heart. 
Because money, who knows, is so possessive. It can actually control us. It can dictate our livelihoods. It can just be such a dependent thing. But God wants us to be dependent on Him. And when we seek Him and His righteousness and His kingdom first, everything else gets added. So passing the test, everyone goes through a test. And 10 represents a testing. And how many plagues were there in Egypt? In other words, how many, in other words, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? 10. I think you'll see there's a common answer here for everything. How many commandments was there in the law of Moses when he came down with the two tablets? 10. Matthew 25, how many virgins had their preparedness tested? 10. And in fact, in Revelations 2, interestingly enough, verse 10, it says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So 10 clearly represents a testing. If we go to the next page as well. Now the tithe represents a heart test for the believer. If God is asking for a tenth of our gain or our finances, isn't it true that based on what we just heard, he's testing us in this? But read, have a read of this, Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What house are we referring to now if you're talking about tithes and offerings? The house of God, our, our house here. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So God is testing us, but also, guess what? This is the only area in Scripture which God invites believers to test Him, to see that He is good, that He is true to His promises, that if you give to the house of the Lord, he will bless you and open up the floodgates of heaven. Oh, I just want to share a, a quick little testimony from the author himself. If you ever get a chance to purchase the book, it's quite a great read. It's very simple to understand. And the principles of God are very easily um, unpacked as well for, for us to really catch this. But this all began for him many years ago as a traveling young evangelist where he really relied on his itinerant ministry for his monthly expenses, for him and his family, and one staff member. And he would normally speak every weekend in a month to meet budget. But one particular month, he only had one speaking engagement. And the Lord, in fact, told him that, I'm going to get your finances. I'm going to bless you and teach you about finances. But there's three things you need to do. Number one, don't manipulate. Don't set a fee. Because manipulation is actually a form of witchcraft. Don't tell the, the church where you're going, how much you need to be paid. Trust God in, in that. Number two, get your finances in order, meaning get out of debt, which is not adding value, like maybe perhaps a car loan. So they sold their car and they anointed it with oil every week as old cars need oil. But they still have a mortgage, which is actually a good debt, which adds value over time. And then the third thing was to give as the Lord directs over and above the tithes that he gives to his local church house. So he gets this invitation from a, 
a pastor in a different region to come and speak. And he had to tell Rob that, unfortunately, we're struggling in our own finances and I may not even be able to pay you, let alone pay for your gas to get here. But nevertheless, Rob felt led to go there. So on the drive there, he had to pull up for some gas. And when he went to pay at the gas station behind the counter, the lady is actually a Christian and said, it's all good, all taken care of. And he's asked why. And she said, God told me you're a traveling evangelist and to pay for your full tank of gas. So that's, that's the, the first kind of lesson that Rob started to realize what God was going to do. He preaches at this church that he's uh, guest itinerant for. At the end of the service, the pastor said, look at this. This is the biggest love offering we've ever got. So this is back in the late 80s, early 90s. And he said, here's $800 check. And in, in Rob's mind, he was just mind blown because that took care of every single thing that they needed for the whole month. But as they were chatting, he saw over the pastor's shoulder a missionary who earlier that night shared about the testimonies of what God was doing, but then also the challenges that they're currently um, facing in terms of finances too. God felt that he needed to hand that check over to that missionary. His first thought was, no, that's my flesh or that's the devil. Surely not. God, I worked hard for this. I actually know you brought this and you know my, my situation. But nevertheless, God said, give it away, all the way. So he finally did. He wrote the check over, closed it up and said, don't open this until you leave. So he was back to square one, back to nothing. And there was a group after that meeting and said, invited him and his wife, would you like to come out for pizza? And Rob was thinking, well, I've got no money. Why not? I like pizza all of a sudden. So they're at the restaurant across the table from Rob. A guy who he's only met once asked him a very bold question that you'll probably never get asked. How much did you get in your love offering? And he was just stunned and said, oh, I've got 800. Where's the check? He said, well, my wife's got the check. So he walks over to his wife, pretends, talking about the check, has the pizza, and he comes back and goes, now where's the check? He goes, it's in the car. He goes, no, it's not. And Rob goes, well, where is it? He goes, God told me you gave it away. And so he reached into his pocket, gave him a check, and it was for $8,000, over and above what he had expected initially for that night. As he handed him the check, this man said to him, God is about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. From that point, for the next 18 months, he actually had cars come to him, which he gave away, nine cars in total. Receive a car, give it away, prayfully give it away to the right people. On the ninth card, this is where we need to be very mindful of the voice of God and how he directs us in our giving. Because on the, on the ninth card, he felt that he needed to sell it. But he thought, but the pattern's been giving it away. Nevertheless, he sold a car. He was obedient to what God said about that ninth car. It sold for $12,000. They shortly went after to a missionary uh, trip, spoke to the missionary there and asked, what, what's the challenges at the moment? What, what, where's the support you need? And the missionary said, we're actually praying for a van, but we don't have the finances. Guess how much the cost of the van was? $12,000. I share these things because it's an example of what God wants to do in our finances. That if we trust him with everything that we have, including our money, he's going to be able to direct it for his kingdom purposes. But at the same time, we're not going to lose out. God doesn't want us to lose out. By all means, I want to break that spirit, that religious spirit to say that we have to be broken poor to represent God. If you read your Bible, we have King David, King Solomon, 
Jesus even said, I became, I was rich, but I came poor so that you may become rich. And not just for the purposes of wealth, but so that we can be a blessing towards others as well. In, T- in Timothy, it talks about how God gives us richly all things to enjoy. So can we just bust that religious mentality that we have to be in poverty to represent God? In fact, let's represent God and be a blessing to those around us. If we go to the next slide, thanks. Law and grace. This, this is an interesting one because... Um, You've probably heard some people say, oh, I don't live by the law, I live by grace. And sometimes people also trying to compartmentalize the principles of God, which is internal, into Old and New Testament. And some people may even be thinking, well, you can't talk to me about tithes and offerings because it's in the Old Testament. But who knows, we just talked about a test from God. And the author actually says, had this prayer time with God one time and said, why couldn't you just put it so obviously, so blatantly obvious in the New Testament that we would just all follow it? And he said, it's a test. I want to test people's hearts in this. But in the New Testament, it actually talks about giving. And the standards of law versus grace is actually quite different. You see, the righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law. So each time Jesus points to an old covenant law, he then sets a higher standard under new covenant grace. Let me give you an example. You know, in the Ten Commandments, it says, do not murder. Well, Jesus said, even if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your own heart. The Ten Commandments, it also says, do not commit adultery. Jesus says, well, I'll tell you, if you even if you look at a woman lustfully, who's not your wife, you've already committed adultery in your own heart. So we see that God... Ends in Malachi 3, Malachi, book of Malachi, Old Testament. And he just ramps it up in the New Testament, in the gospel. And Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I came to fulfill them. So if you say you live by grace and not by the law, congratulations. You probably should be giving more than 10%. Let me give you a little example here. So I'm, I'm in my mode now of tithing and Jess and I, before we got married, she, she's so organized, she just assigned me three simple tasks as a, as a man. The boys' suits for the wedding, the hire car for the wedding photos and the pickup, and the honeymoon. And in my previous church, it was time for our annual conference at a big arena in the city. And it was April. The wedding is going to be in July. So the task that I had for the honeymoon, saving up for that and choosing a location, we wanted to go to Boston because uh, we've got family there, New York and LA. I had $200 saved up in my NetBank Saver account. The trajectory in which I was going was probably a, ro- a road trip to Rosebud for sure camping. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Rosebud. <laughs> but I'm sure if we rocked up in that tent, Jess would have been like massive head shake at me. But I sense from God, he wanted me to give it all. I've already tithed, I've already been obedient. But in that conference, I just sensed God was tugging my heart to give it all. So when I felt that call from God, I didn't even tell Jess, I bypassed middle management, went straight to the boss, emptied my net bank account and gave it all to God. Within a week, my dad actually called me. 
And he goes, where do you want to go for your honeymoon? Well, it's pretty out of reach, but it's in America. So we got the details, and he came back to us and said, I'll pay for it. Now get this, it was July 3rd we were flying out. So July 4th is Independence Day in America. There's school holidays, summer holidays, whatnot. It was peak season. The cost of the return flights for Jess and I was $5,000 in peak season in America. I couldn't have saved for that in my own strength, in my own doing. Probably would have just got a credit card if we really were that desperate. But praise God that he came through. And I share that story because it's an example of the power of God if we're obedient to where he directs us in our giving. And the, the thing is, God will never direct you towards unfruitful soil. He'll, he'll direct you to, to those who are needy. As long as you're obedient, you don't need to question God. Like, where, where's the money going to go to? How are they going to use it? God, it's your money, and it's up to them to steward it. They're responsible at the end of the day to give an account to you. But God, I want to be obedient to you. So you can have it all if you want. You can have a portion. You can have it all. The next page. The principle of multiplication. I do apologize. On my screen, it's actually a little bit brighter. I like nice and bright yellow, but um, I forgot about the, uh, the change in settings here. But Luke 9, verse 10 to 17, Jesus feeds the 5,000. I won't read out the whole scriptures, just in the interest of time, but it talks about how a crowd had been following Jesus because he's been teaching. And in fact, the Bible says uh, he's been he's teaching all day and, and the crowds were hungry. And they were also in a deserted place. So no charcoal chicken like Lizzie was so gracefully able to help us with yesterday. Thanks, Liz. Woo! Just going like that. No Brumby's Bakery, no Flaky Jake's Fish and Chips. But there was a boy with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, you feed them. When the disciples came to him and said that the crowds are hungry, he said, you feed them. What an adventure it is to follow God, hey? And so they, they handed the five loaves and two fish to Jesus. He blessed it and gave it to the disciples to hand out. If you want to get a picture of what the magnitude and multitude of this miracle was, what event have we had recently where we've had about 20,000 people? Because the Bible talks about 5,000 men, but it didn't count the women and children that they had in their families. So scholars think it's about 15 to 20,000. What event have we had recently where we've seen awakening? Marvel Stadium. Imagine being one of the 12 with your little basket of fish and bread, having to distribute it to 20,000 people. So that's an image of God wanting to work the miracle through your hands like he did through the disciples' hands. And there's work involved, yes. But who knows how the story ends? Once everyone had been fed, how many leftover baskets that was, by the way, full was left over? Twelve. One for each disciple. And, and, and I know Dan and, and team, Pastor Dan and team, just sacrificed so much. And they, they were, I could see just at different times, like they were just physically, emotionally, just, just tired from a big event. But who knows, God came through at the end. We weren't in debt. That was a massive bill to pay. But God came through supernaturally, as so many of you in this room also gave to that cause. And so God wants us to experience the area of blessing and multiplication for our own lives. 
not just so we can kind of say, hey, I've got this bank account balance and things like that, but to bless others in need, those that God would direct to us to bless. I love that there's actually even stories of people who've given cars away in our own house, not just the author's stories, but I won't embarrass or call out the, the names here, but we've got someone here who purposely gives cars out to those in need and who God directs that blessing to as well. But before something can be multiplied, let's look at what Jesus did here. He had to bless it. He had to bless that thing that was given to him. So that's the other principle to multiplication, that we need to give away what God wants us to give away. And in Romans 11 verse 16, it says, For if the fruit, first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Jesus receives our tithes and he has the power to bless it so it can multiply for God's work and God's kingdom. It talks about in the Bible how our first fruits actually dedicates everything else towards God and and causes that blessing. And in in, in scriptures early in the, uh, I think it was in Genesis, it talks about how every, every, Baby that's from born of an Israelite womb, including um, uh, female and including a beast and animal as well, is the Lord's. And so it's actually a representation as well of how Jesus is God's own tithe and sacrifice and giving to us. How the firstborn is a sacrifice for the rest. Or if it's not, if it's a blemish lamb, then it's the secondborn will be sacrificed to redeem the first and the rest. And God represents his ultimate gift to humanity through the salvation of our souls and our sins and our mistakes by giving the ultimate gift of salvation, paying the price for our sins, the perfect sacrifice, that Lamb of God. And I'm going to invite people up today this morning who haven't got that walk with God, that relationship with God. But let let me just finish with this. The power of offerings, just the next page, thank you. Tithing is simply returning to God that which he said is his. Tithing causes God to rebuke the devourer and open the windows of heaven. But if you look closely at Malachi 3, God mentions more than the tithe there. He mentioned tithes and offerings in verse 8, actually a little bit earlier. And by the way, even though it says this part of Scripture is in the Old Testament, and some people still think, oh, you know what, it's Old Testament, I knew. What does it say earlier in Malachi 3? Feel free to look it up. But it says, I'm the Lord and I do not change. So it's clear that these principles carry across even today. It's tithes and offerings that bring the blessings. It's tithes and offerings that rebuke the devourer. We're going to come into next week with an opportunity to give to the house in miracle offerings over and above our tithes. And I'm just so excited by that fact because I know that as I've done this personally in the past, in this house, in my previous church life as well, God's just come through with an abundance and a blessing, not in finances alone, but in every other area as well. I've noticed the favor in work, in marriage, in relationships. So I'd love to be able to just pray for some of us today, in fact, not, if not all, if the worship team could come up as well. 
But if you are in this place today and you don't have a relationship with God, maybe perhaps someone's invited you here and you know if you are completely honest, the Bible talks about two places when we leave from this earth, from this life, heaven or hell. And if you were honest in yourself and you ask that question, where will I end up? And you are unsure? Well, God doesn't want you to be unsure. As I mentioned before, He paid the ultimate price for our sins and our mistakes by giving the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus. And he doesn't want you to walk away this, this morning thinking what's gonna happen to me if something was to happen Life is so short. God doesn't want you to end up in hell. He wants you to end up in heaven with him. The Bible says that he doesn't wish that any should perish. And the Bible, Bible also talks about how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So you don't just get your sins forgiven and you, you know where you end up after this life, but it actually starts here. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. You start out that relationship with God here on this earth and watch what He's gonna do in you and through you. Many of us in this room have got very broken past and backgrounds. It won't take long for you to just throw a stone and meet someone with a very messed up background, but God has turned it all around and He wants to do the same for you. So if you're in this room and you hear these words about God and relationship, that's the key thing. It's not a deadbeat religion. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.